0: That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time ever every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Get in touch with technology with Tech stuff from
1: HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm Jonathan Strickland, and today I've got a special treat. I am joined by Ashley Esketha. Please tell me I didn't butcher your name. You didn't. Hooray!
1: Great news.
0: I- Yay. Ashley is my buddy from CNET, and uh, she and I are survivors of the Great War known as CES 2015. Yeah. We can be beaten down, but never defeated.
1: No, never, never.
0: Uh So, Ashley, I've asked you on the show so that we can kind of talk about some of the stuff that was unveiled at CES, some of the big themes that happened during the show. And this is going to be a real discovery for me personally, because I was confined to a very small, relatively speaking, section of the show and didn't get out nearly as much as I wanted to. So...
1: I was in the same boat so I I got to see via all of my uh colleagues out reporting what they were looking at
0: That's kind of how I was too I, except yeah. for me it wasn't colleagues it was peers cuz no one else from how stuff works was there so Oh
1: no <laughs>
0: Yeah but it was it was still you know one of those events where every single year that goes by you can identify some big trends that happened at CES. So for a few years ago, like an example, a few years ago, it was 3D, right? That was yeah. the big thing. And, and
1: fortunately, that has gone away.
0: Yes. People have finally given up on pushing 3D. I think, I think listening to the consumers say, I don't want that for two yeah. or three years finally got the message through.
1: Oh, it's just such a hassle. I mean, it's, just, it really blows my mind that anybody ever thought that was going to be a really lucrative business model, because I can't think of a single person who's like, okay, I want to buy this 3d TV. And I also want to buy these $200 pairs of glasses that run on battery power. And, Oh, I'm going to need four of them because right. I have a family of four. Like there is not a universe in which people enjoy that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the only use case I really could see was for gamers who had, you know, a lot of you know, disposable income. And yeah. they wanted, they wanted to have the ultimate gaming, you know, console set up yeah, where they I were going to play in console.
1: 3D. Even then it's like buy a monitor.
0: Yeah. Like play through, no,
1: you know, Steam, play, I'm, get your, get your Nvidia card.
0: I'm the same way. I think the same way. It's it, to me, it was one of those things where the, the benefit was not uh, enough to outweigh the hassle that got me. I have a hard time just finding my remote control.
1: Yeah, but, uh, much less these glasses laying yeah. around. And, you know, like the 4K televisions are so nice. The, they the, are. The picture quality is so nice. It, it almost gives a feeling of 3D because you honestly look like you could just reach right in and grab whatever's on the screen.
0: That's true. That's uh, so many people have described it as being 3D-like. I mean, mm-hmm. uh I even even Wally Pfister, the cinematographer I got to talk to, he said, when you get to this level of clarity, that's essentially 3D. You get the illusion of depth. I mean, nothing mm-hmm. is coming out at you, but everything looks like it has real presence. Like you could, yeah. like, like, like it is just a pane of glass between you and the hobbit or whatever. Right.
1: Right. It's, it's just like in Willy Wonka, the chocolate factory where all of a sudden that was, uh, all, you know, that the candy bar was there and it looked real. And right. then they reached out and grabbed it. It's, it's like, it feels like that a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then Mike TV, of course, following along and we could have a whole discussion just on Willy Wonka. And I'm somewhat tempted to because CES is exhausting. But uh, but 4K TVs, that's definitely one of the big themes that went through this year. Every major television producer was putting their 4K sets on display. Yeah. uh, And all of them, of course, claiming that their sets are more better than -hmm. everyone else's. I put some
1: 4K in my 4K so you can 4K while you 4K.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean, I, I was there, and uh, and one of the things that I saw beyond the 4K was beyond 4K. Oh, so yeah. people were already talking about the next generation, whether that is...
1: Quantum dots.
0: Yep. Using the quantum dot approach and trying to get to a point where we've got 8K resolution and Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people might be saying like that sounds crazy cuz we don't really have that much 4K content yet except on sites like YouTube or Netflix but the truth is that Japan is going to try and start broadcasting 8K signals by the end yeah. of 2016.
1: Yeah, yeah. So and we- the other thing is is like maybe this is sort of um maybe this is kind of like a uh, a jump between, you know, 720 and 1080. Yeah. So it's like maybe four K is the seven twenty of this generation.
0: Right. Right. It's it's one of those things where again, the other part of this is that it allows us to have larger screens without depreciating the quality of the image on those screens. Mm-hmm. So when you get to a point where the manufacturing costs are low and we see the prices of the television sets come down as well as adoption rates go up, it means that we can all create that crazy home theater experience that Normally only hip hop artists were able to do so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, Bill Gates. Yeah. Which is super nice. I mean, just there have been so many great advances in how we consume content over the last even, you know, five years. I I always it blows my mind that the iPad is just five years old in February. That's always the thing that kind of reminds me that it's been so much so fast.
0: Right. I mean, that. I made a prediction, a famous prediction, just the year before the iPad came out, that if it did come out, it was going to fail. So it just shows how I have my finger on the pulse of technology.
1: Well, you know, sometimes we have to fail to move forward.
0: That's true. And also, to be fair, no tablet in the history of tablets had Had ever...
1: no, it's true. It's yeah. true. Had it ever been popular or, or gained any kind of mainstream acceptance. Um and then of course, you know, when the name came out, people were, you know, just regarded that with lots of derision. Oh, sure. the iP- iPad, how stupid.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, we were all proven wrong on that one.
0: I'm okay with that because it's it's led to an interesting world, especially really pushed the development of mobile uh applications and mobile devices. And also, I would argue that the success of the tablet and the rise of the mobile device also gave rise to another big trend at CES 2015, wearables.
1: Oh, man, there were so many. They had wearables for dogs. They like, did. did. I could not believe. it's. I mean, we we're barely get, getting into or we barely scratched the surface on human wearables. Now we got yep. dog wearables.
0: Yeah. Uh, so bizarre. I love that, that we're seeing lots of experimentation in this. I mean, I think where you see the maturity, uh, as far as wearables go is in the health and fitness field, obviously. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's where they really got their start. I'm wearing a, a, a fitness tracker right now because I mean, I'm a sheep. Uh, mm-hmm. also I really like them. I, I think it's really cool. I love the idea of quantifying my activity so that I can, look at and make a, an assessment as to whether or not I'm doing well or maybe I need to push myself harder. I always need to push myself harder, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but but this is that's definitely the realm where we're really seeing wearables take off. Now, granted, in 2015, I don't know. Did you ever get over to uh the Sands Convention Center? I,
1: you know, I was so bummed. I did not make it over to Tech West. So yeah. for, for anybody listening, CES has just continued to grow exponentially. And there was a, I remember a few years ago, there was a point where Microsoft decided they weren't coming anymore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people started predicting like, oh, this is the death of CES. Like it's going to start getting smaller and we're going to have these, you know, one-off events like Samsung and and Apple do. Everyone's going to start doing those. There's no point now. And completely the opposite of that. I mean, it has grown exponentially in the last few years to the point where now all of the startups and all of the weird kind of quirky stuff, 3D printing and drones and I just all kinds of things are over in the Sands convention center. So they're using the Las Vegas convention center, Mandalay Bay, uh, the Sands, the Venetian. I mean, it's huge.
0: Yeah. And there's also some companies they'll set up in suites and hotels around the yeah. space because they don't they don't necessarily want to dish out the money they would need to put down to have a booth
1: right well maybe they don't even need a booth maybe yeah. they just say well we just want to invite select uh, members of the press and industry uh, buyers to come to our suite and see what we have happening
0: that's true i i did uh, get a chance to experience the nintendo wii U for the in one of those meetings. It was before they had really started to unveil it. And had just only talked about it a little bit to the press. Oh, man. That, and so it was a couple of years ago when I got to do that. Uh, but that that's, you know, that was a rare event for me. Usually I'm not on those lists. I'm not yeah. sure how I got on that one, but it was awesome. I need uh, to find
1: out how to get on those lists. I, there's some sort of secret society that I need to find out how to get it, like the skulls, but it's like for tech. I need to figure out how to get into that.
0: Yeah. I'm usually only invited to the ones like, here's a new thumb drive. Well, this is Uh, useful. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo poo your thumb drive, but but we made
1: these computer cases and they're super (laughs) fascinating. You should come see them.
0: Here's, here's a, here's a smartphone case for a brand that you don't own. Well, Mm -hmm. thanks. Fantastic. Uh, but getting back to the wearables, some of the crazy ones I saw, uh, I went to CES unveiled and I saw the uh, belty. Did you Everybody see Everybody
1: loved Belty this year.
0: I think Belty was this year's haptic feedback fork.
1: Oh yeah, the happy fork. Yeah. There's a, there's a happy knife now too. If yeah. you didn't see that, there's happy fork and happy spoon or knife or I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. So ridiculous.
0: Yeah. These are, these are some of the more kind of quirky things. Very and, obscure. Uh, the yeah. ring,
1: there was a ring, a really mm. bulky ring with a little button in the bottom. You press and you could gesture and things like that. It's very strange.
0: Yeah. The the ring is one of those. uh, From what I understand, it had a very contentious Kickstarter campaign, one of those where uh, it got funded and then it was a really long delay between when when the funding happened and when anything else was happening. I can kind of uh, sympathize with people who back the ring because I have backed two different smartwatches and one regular but cool watch and none of the three have been finished yet so yeah. and that was that was more than a year ago when i backed them so i totally get it but
1: i think um, it's definitely like one of those situations right well so a good example of this is um indiegogo had a very controversial crowdfund called the uh, Heelbee. i don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar
0: with this this one i'm not familiar with
1: this is the one that claims that it can measure your glucose based on like your skin Like it's, it's so weird. Uh, Like sweat can measure your glucose. This has been kind of a holy grail in diabetes technology, blood sugar level, uh, healthcare forever. And this company is owned by like a Russian cake shop owner. Like it's all very shady. Like the whole thing is very, very shady. And, and all of the science Having to do with this is like kind of bad, shaky science that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I think, and they raised, you know, over a million dollars, and and it, I, it's so. I mean, for me, it it seems so clearly a ripoff, but right, a scam. But I just, I mean, I just don't know. And and they were at CES, and they they were like, oh yeah, here's our device, but you can't use it. This is just what it looks like.
0: Yeah, there's. I've seen some of that, like, it's really interesting that that's the world we're in now, because again, kind of a, a look back at what it's like to go to CES. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, the only companies that you would see at CES, if you were in the main convention center, you would see lots of big name companies and maybe a few distributors as well. But those would be the only ones you'd see. If you go to the Venetians and Sands, you'd see smaller companies or you would you were interested in um <clears throat> audio hardware which was often featured at the Venetian, where you would go to a suite and they had more control over the environment because it's very noisy at CES. True. So so it's hard to set up like a high fidelity experience on the CES floor. Right. But you didn't see a lot of independence out there. You saw, you know, there were areas where there'd be lots of tiny companies that had very small booths and they would just be jam packed. Usually ones, a lot of them from Asia, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these days now we're in the era of crowdfunding where we're seeing independent projects that have crowdfunding backing. They don't have like the backing of a, of a giant corporation yeah. actually actually have a significant presence at CES, which is. Pretty amazing.
1: Yeah. And I almost wonder, you know, it's like, especially with the crowdfund, it's like, are you using the money that we just gave you for a booth? Like, I, I have concerns here, like, especially the ones that are just have these like giant booths and you're just like, you know... I gave you $100 to give me, you know, whatever, and now you're here with, you know, a skateboarding ramp and, you know, confetti cannons and t-shirt yeah. guns, and I'm a little concerned about where my Kickstarter funds are going to. Yeah,
0: yeah, it might be like, you're not such a great tech company, but you're an amazing marketing company.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I just, yeah, it's very weird to sort of see, but Tech West was really cool because it, it was a lot of those companies. So a lot of yeah. hey, we were on Kickstarter, like Three Doodler was there, um, mm-hmm. and they they had a successful Kickstarter. They unveiled the newest, like, version of their 3D uh, pen, their 3D printing pen, uh, which looks a lot better than the original first-gen version, which is really cool. But yeah, it was it was really. I always like going to CES and seeing those, which is like the success story. So you're like, gosh, like, okay, there they are. Like, I I backed this on Kickstarter, or I saw this on Kickstarter, and I told my friends about it. And now they're a successful company and they're super excited to be here. Right. Uh, they love being there and they like being in a, the position that they're in because they have a little bit of name recognition, which is always nice. But then on that same note, they're still, you know, fresh and they're still they have stars in their eyes about, you know, making it big. And it's just they're so enthusiastic about being there. And that's one of the things I really love about CES is. Especially over in Tech West now, it, there's so much enthusiasm and so much excitement over there. I mean, that place was buzzing all week long, Yeah, which is I, cool. I,
0: I spent most of my time there, and uh, so I got to see a lot of these little companies. There were some big companies over in Tech West as well, because that was where they put some of their zones. CES will also create zones that uh, have related products kind of grouped together to make it mm-hmm. easier to see them.
1: That was really smart.
0: It is really smart. It doesn't work for the big companies because they're just too big. They don't want to split up their, their presence. Mm-hmm. So like for wearables, for example, one guy I ran into had this great saying. He essentially said, uh, every, everyone here has a wearable. Every booth here has got something in it that's going to be a wearable or it's going to be used in wearables. You know, it's pretty much true. Right. So you could go to the big booths and see examples of that, but you could also go to Tech West and see companies that were specifically oriented around a particular product or a group of products. Um, same sort of thing with 3D printing. That was huge over at Tech West. And, really big. You know, one of the, one of the most impressive displays of 3D printing. It's been a long time coming. I mean, we, I remember when I went to my first CES, or maybe it was even my second one. I saw a MakerBot for the first time, and it was one of the early, early models. And I think it was the only 3D printer that was on the floor that year. And it really blew me away. And now there's just an entire section of yeah. Tech West dedicated to it,
1: full on section. They had not only you know 3D printed jewelry and 3D printed objects, toys, things like that, but they also had 3D printed food. Which it's like a 3D printed chocolate and 3D printed candies. And that just blows my mind. I mean, they
0: they also they had the full 3D scanner where you could go in, scan yourself and get a printout of yourself. I know.
1: I know. Uh, It's so great.
0: It was tough for me because I I showed up and they looked at me and said, we don't have enough plastic. So I just turned around and walked away. Oh, wah, wah. But then I went straight to the fitness trackers and they said, we can help you. (laughs) Don't worry. We got you covered, John. It's it's all okay. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat, In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road into the wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com.
2: T-I-K-A Another big trend, obviously, uh, one of the
0: things that you see a lot of at CES, which is kind of funny considering that it comes uh, so close to the giant auto show that happens in Detroit, is there's a lot of car technology on display. And uh, this year, one of the big ones I, I covered for forward thinking, the announcement that Toyota is uh, has released all of its uh, fuel cell vehicle patents more than 5,600 of them worldwide to be use royalty-free, license-free. So great. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a brilliant, savvy move on the part of Toyota for multiple reasons. One is that if you want to bring around a world where hydrogen is a legitimate fuel source for vehicles, you can't depend on one company to make that change. It's just too big.
1: You can't hoard all your ideas.
0: Right. And, you know, a lot of people have pointed out Elon Musk did something very similar by releasing the patents related to the Tesla. And mm-hmm. that, too, was a really brilliant move. In my mind, it's great to have both of these te- technologies moving forward. I mean, in, in many ways, they're competing. But if you look at a battery operated vehicle and a fuel cell operated vehicle, they're both electric cars. It's yeah. just one is getting its electricity from a stored, uh, chemical stored battery. Another one is getting its electricity from a hydrogen fuel cell. Right. And, and it's good to have both. It may be that in the long run, one ends up winning over the other. But I think having both is incredibly beneficial, particularly if we maintain the demand that the electricity that is going to power our vehicles ultimately comes from a clean source. That's the big challenge with both of those types of technologies.
1: Right. Well, and especially with gas prices coming down quite a bit. It's they I know that I believe I read they started selling the Hum the Hummer again. Yes. So which is a little disappointing. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's sort of one of those things where it's going to be it's a challenge. It's always a challenge because when gas is inexpensive, people don't think about needing uh economical cars or clean cars. And so I if I'm not mistaken, the reason why the Volkswagen Beetle was so popular uh in the 70s was because of the gas shortages. So people mm-hmm. needed these like economical cars. They started, they stopped driving those giant boats that we remember from the fifties and the sixties and they started moving towards smaller cars. So that's how we kind of started getting smaller cars. And now we're moving towards these sort of eco friendly vehicles. Uh, you know, emission free and all this great stuff. And I, man, I, there was so much awesome stuff that I saw at CES that had to do with vehicles. I mean, the concept car for Mercedes.
0: Oh, uh, the F O one five was
1: unbelievable.
0: Uh it looks like it's something out of a science fiction film.
1: It looks like it came right out of Minority Report. You just get in; it's got these four captains' chairs you could swing around three hundred and sixty degrees. It's self self driving. I mean, and of course, you know, they're like, this is for twenty thirty. You know, this is yeah, it. we're way out in the future. But I mean, it's okay. I think of it this way. I remember 2000 like it was yesterday. So it's 2015 now. That's another 15 years of like I feel like it's going to be here like tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, I am perfectly on board with the autonomous car revolution. Yeah. That that was one of those concepts. I saw the pictures afterwards. I never made it out to the North Hall, which kills me, cuz I wanted I wanted to do a walk through and really see the North Hall by the way is where all the automakers have their their booths. Uh you tend to have major automakers have booths there, and then all the the like super loud, boomy bass stereo companies have yeah. their and
1: then booth. and a whole bunch of like phone accessories.
0: <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly where you want to show off your phone accessories next to the gigantic wall of sound that's just playing mm. bass at you. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh one thing I didn't see a lot of this year, but again, it could just be that I didn't have a chance to really walk the floor but I'm hopeful that perhaps i'm I'm right. I didn't see a lot of booth babes
1: there weren't you know there was a there's a list going around after the show was over. I don't know if you saw it uh it was a list of companies that had them and and I want to say none of the major companies had them at all, which was really that made me very happy,
0: yeah. So, so booth babes, for those who don't know, these are women who are hired to try and entice people into a booth. Usually they, they typically are, are dressed in revealing or sassy or sexy clothing of some sort. Yeah. And, uh, and they, they tend to be, uh, kind of treated as like these, this is an added decoration to our booth.
1: It is like a decorate. It's really depressing.
0: It really is. I sat next to a lady who fulfilled such a role uh, on a on a bus, a shuttle bus once. And we had a really good conversation and she was genuinely an interesting person. And it hurt me because I thought she doesn't have any opportunity (laughs) to actually engage in meaningful conversation because that's not what her role is. And I'm Mm -hmm. glad to see that that trend is starting to fade away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Me too. I'm glad that it's, it's finally people are starting to realize like, it's much better to have knowledgeable people in the booth because most of the people there are not, especially in Vegas. It's like, it sounds weird, but it's like, they're not there to pick up chicks. You know, it's like, it's, that's fine. And that's, you know, if you want, if you think that'll bring people into your booth, like whatever, but what are you going to do when none of them can talk intelligently about your product? Like then they just leave. So, so they get their picture and they leave. And it's just, it's kind of that, um, it's kind of that fast food sort of feeling of content, like at a booth that you go to a booth and you they might draw you in with something, but if somebody can't actually talk to you about a product, you know, you're going to leave, you're going to get, you're going to get a quick picture of whatever it is that you were looking at, whether it's a person or some gimmick, uh, you know, whatever. And then you're going to split because nobody there can actually tell you about anything. So I'm really glad to see that they're really, Going out of their way, like at LG, um, everybody was so knowledgeable and, and well trained and they knew exactly where to direct you if you weren't sure about something or if you had questions. I mean, they were very good. Like I was, I was very impressed with LG. I mean, all the big ones, Sony, Samsung. Yeah. I mean, they're all very, very good. Intel. Um, yeah. yeah. Intel's booth was really great. I mean, all of the major players had a lot of super knowledgeable people who were friendly and also just really had an enthusiasm for, the product that they were discussing or whatever they were assigned to talk about. So that was great. Mm-hmm. It was really nice to see that.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I mean, it, it sounds, it may sound to my listeners here that we're crowing about something really simple, but here's the thing. It's not always like that at CES. No, there, there are times where you go there and the person who uh, you're talking to clearly doesn't know. They might know like a tiny laundry list of features that the product has, but they can't really answer any deeper questions or right
1: or it's they'll just... get a little list. They'll hire people who are, who do that for a living. I mean, it's, it booth guys or girls and then they, they don't really train them deeply on product. They just say, here are the main bullet points hit and, and here's a real quick overview of how the product works. Well, the problem with that is, is some people really take that to heart and you get, you, you can always get some really good people who have been hired in and who've been just trained for, you know, half a day on a product, uh, who are really into it and they're excited about it. But then you also can get the people who are not, who are just, you know, there for a paycheck and they say, well, oh, and here's the phone or here's the TV or the washer and dryer or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, it's really nice. And that's it. That's all you get. Cause they didn't bother paying attention during training.
0: Right. Right. Uh, another big kind of, um, Theme that was running through. This is one that I am really excited about, while also I get a little uh, uh, nauseated by uh, it's it's virtual reality. Um, oh, so good. I love virtual reality. I love it in concept. In practice, there are times where I definitely get a little loopy and uh, feel a little weird. I think that my main disconnect is if I play anything that has a first person perspective. And it has a very convincing, immersive world. And I turn my head and everything is fine. That's cool. The problem I get is as soon as I start to move, if I have to use a controller to move, then the disconnect from using the controller versus my head looking around as if I'm standing up Mm -hmm. because my body is staying still. But the the input I'm getting through my eyes and my ears is that I'm moving. That's when my stomach says, "Okay, listen. I gotta take a a quick break here. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> and whoa, reconsider whoa, whoa. things. Yeah,
1: yeah. There was, you know, there was a lot of virtual reality at the show this year. So not only was Oculus there with a huge booth, I might add.
0: Yeah, I guess uh, getting bought by Facebook gave them a little bit of uh, spending little, money.
1: Well, spending cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had a huge booth full of great demos, fantastic demos with the newest version of the Rift, the Rift headset. So the um. It's Chris, it's not, let's see, Crescent Bay. Is that the newest one? It's like Crystal Cove, Crescent Bay. Um, so Crescent Bay is the one with the headset to three, you know, 3D sound as well as the, the actual virtual reality headset. It was so good. So fantastic. And then Razer came out with OS VR. So open source virtual reality, including a headset and also just software. So you don't have to use the headset with the software, vice versa. You could use one or the other or both. I thought that was fantastic. A lot of open sourcing has been happening recently, which makes me very happy. And then, um, and then we saw, you know, we, we know that Sony's working on Project Morpheus wasn't at CES, but it exists. And then Samsung's got their, uh, Milk VR, which is sort of a separate service. And then they have the, uh, Gear VR, which is the headset that you can use with a Note 3 or a right. Note, uh, Note Edge, the Galaxy Note Edge.
0: Yeah. They also had that on display at the Oculus booth. If you weren't, Mm. if you weren't willing to wait in the very long line to try out the Rift, you could just wait in the very short line to try out the Samsung one. Yeah. Which is what I did because I was on a schedule. Uh, but (laughs) yeah, seeing that this is finally becoming something that's actually within the realm of the consumer reach is really exciting. I mean, I, uh, I remember the era when the term virtual reality was first bandied about in the, Late '80s, early '90s, and I remember the backlash that the industry suffered when uh, it didn't quite measure up to our expectations. Um, when our, our no. when we when we thought we'd be plunged into a digital world, and it turned out we would be shooting a polydactyl uh, monster. That, yeah, I remember yeah.
1: those at like the county fair.
0: Yeah, where you'd
1: go and you'd pay like five dollars or ten bucks, and then you got five minutes inside this VR sort of. It was like a little platform that had yep. corners, and then you put on the headset. It was very weird and also and head-
0: very terrible. Yeah, the headset was suspended by cables because it was too heavy to just put on someone's yeah. head. And yeah, no, we Aww. used to have one of those at our, our local mall. And, uh, and uh yeah, you would pay for a five-minute experience. And if you were to pay for more than five minutes, you were either a glutton for punishment or you had an iron stomach. because. Yeah.
1: And also everybody in the line hated you because it was everybody, there was always a huge line.
0: Right. Because, because it was the new thing. Well, now that new thing is finally getting to a point where we can actually see a time when we'll have it in our own homes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously there are a lot of people out there who have the developer kits who have been playing around with it for a while. I didn't do that because my philosophy is that developer kits are primarily for developers and I should wait. um, because I want to have the experience that's going to be most suited for consumers as possible. I say that I'm also the owner of a pair of Google Glass, so apparently I can't always hold myself to that, but yeah. Um but uh yeah, it was great seeing that kind of stuff on display and seeing it so close to being uh, a mainstream product. Um one of the fav- one of my favorite things that I encountered, I didn't get to uh, visit them when they had it all set up, but I actually ran into the team that was behind it while I was on the plane going to CES was a a company a little group called Serenetti and Serenetti had created a cooking robot i told you about this when we met up at CES right
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: so the idea behind this is that you've got a robot that can stir and cook food uh it's it's got a robotic arm that can actually rotate and stir the food properly specifically meant for lots of different types of stuff, like uh, like uh pho or pad thai, that kind of thing. And all you do is you put the ingredients in the robot, and the robot adds the ingredients at the right time. It continues to look after the food as it's cooking, does it all automated, so it cooks your whole meal for you. And what I thought was brilliant about this approach was that, as I was talking to the creators, they were mentioning that their business plan wasn't to just sell the robot that if that were all it was, then that would be a real challenge. Their business plan is to set up a subscription-based service where you subscribe to get meals that the robot can cook. So you get the ingredients, you load the ingredients into the robot, the robot cooks your meal, and what you're paying for really is the subscription to the food service. And these are high school students. Genius. What are, we doing? Be, what
1: are we doing with our lives?
0: I don't know, Ashley. They're going to be millionaires. Like
1: it's like I Blue could, Apron with a robot. It's great.
0: I could add two of those kids together, and they still wouldn't be as old as I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be millionaires.
1: I feel so deeply unsuccessful when I hear yeah. about these stories. I'm just like, well, uh, I it was a good try, I'm
0: right? Like, uh, had too- a good, had a good run.
1: Yeah, had had a good run. I'm just going <laughs> to just going to give up.
0: If you need me, uh, I'll be in the bar. If you and, need me, I'll um, be in the
1: bar while my robot makes my dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be doing that.
0: My, my bartender is drinking next to me because he's out of a job now. Yeah, because <laughs> the robot is making us
1: both drinks and making us dinner.
0: Yeah, there were some other things that uh, were on display at CES that got some buzz. Uh, there was a, a computer from uh, HP, the HP Stream Mini, just tiny little $180 computer that just has basic, uh, outputs. That looks like it's going to be, you know, a super desktop killer for a lot of consumers who just want to have, you know, your basic PC operations. They don't necessarily want uh, to have it as, you know, this will be like their home computer that lives at home as opposed to a laptop. I really like the design of it. I didn't get a chance to play with it at all, but I thought that was interesting. I thought the fact that Parrot has an in-dash system. Oh, uh, I love
1: that. It that was pretty. RNB6. Yes, really nice.
0: Yeah. You know, this is a company that I almost always associate with their their drones and their robots, Mm -hmm. but they do have an entirely separate uh, branch that develops technology like this. So, yeah, this is an in dash uh, operating system. They call
1: it an infotainment system.
0: Yeah. And it includes like, you know, the various apps, the phone app and, and music apps, things like that. Dash cam control. Uh, yeah, it's really cool. I I'm curious how distracting it is to a driver who's wanting to operate such a thing, but well, it is pretty neat.
1: They did say it would be compatible with both CarPlay and Android Auto. Oh, cool! So you'll be able to interact regardless of whether you have iOS or Android. Uh, you'll be able to interact with it by voice. So Siri, uh, you'll be able to give Siri commands or um, Android Auto. You'll be able to talk to Google Now, which I think is great and. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know why any automaker or even third party um, third party company would make any in dash anything that is not cross platform compatible.
0: Right. Don't don't take that proprietary approach where you're trying to lock people into one ecosystem because that's just a recipe for failure.
1: Well, cars are such a long term commitment for most people that. It doesn't make any sense to do it that way, because what if you switch from iOS to Android or what if, you know, you upgrade next year and your Android phone isn't supported by that in dash system? Like it doesn't anything that it's just it's a it's a much better idea. I was just talking about this to somebody um, who is very excited about cross platform because of that. Uh, He likes to switch back and forth between iOS and Android. So, which I would find incredibly nerve wracking and anxiety inducing, but um, he loves it. And so for him, he's like, this is great because I don't have to feel like I'm locked into a certain type of phone while I own this this car.
0: Right. Yeah. This is the same argument I make for all the smart appliances that only will talk to other smart appliances from Mm -hmm. that same company. It's, I mean, I totally get it. I totally understand why manufacturers do this, but it, it's not a great, uh, experience for consumers because it means that we are locked into one manufacturer's form of appliances. Even if we really like one, but we would prefer a different manufacturer for something else, like, Oh, I love the dishwasher from this company, but I really like the washer and dryer from this other company. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want all my stuff to talk to each other. It's really challenging. We've got a lot of companies that are trying to come out with um, platforms that can allow for some cross communication. That It requires a lot of jerry-rigging, really, to make sure that things that are designed to speak with one language can talk to something that's designed to speak with a different language. That being said, the smart home was another huge trend at CES this year, probably the biggest I've ever seen it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Every year, I mean, smart home just gets crazy. Home automation is, oh boy, it's going to be nuts in the next maybe five years or so, because it's going to be kind of an arms race between all these companies. As you were just saying to like, not necessarily lock you into an ecosystem, but to make products that you're going to want to buy over anything else.
0: Right. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've seen this really change dramatically over the years. It wasn't that long ago when you could. You could do home automation, but it meant spending a huge amount of money getting contractors in there. There were very specific companies that were in the business and they were not necessarily name brands that the average consumer would be aware of because mm-hmm. it was a very it's a very niche market. And now you've got big companies that are offering up all sorts of components. Some of them are offering up entire systems, so it it'll affect multiple things in your house, like your locks and your lights, your windows, uh, you know, climate control, all that kind of stuff. There are other ones that are, you know, their focus is on a specific piece of that, that, but they can work within a larger network. It's an exciting time because now, again, the average consumer can actually look into it. And if you're only interested in automating your locks, you could totally do that. Like, you don't have to go and invest in a $10,000 renovation of your home to get it automated. Now right. you can get these bits and pieces. Um, I have internet controllable lights. So uh, I could turn my lights on anywhere in the world. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> but that was one of those things that I got from CES uh, two years ago. And that was an early implementation of it. Now we're starting to see things like the Hue lights, which give you way more options than what I had. Yeah. Uh, but it's exciting because now we've got, like, we're the Internet of Things has become something more than just a buzzword. We're actually starting to see some examples of that. Uh, what I'm really excited to see is after that five years of craziness that you're talking about, seeing the software side reaching a point where... Our houses are no longer waiting for us to send a command to them in order for them to do something like dim the lights or adjust the climate control. Our houses will be anticipating what our needs are before we're even aware of it and adjusting themselves for us so that we can live in Star Trek.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we've already seen a little bit of that with like Nest. So it's it learns your patterns. It kind of knows, you know, when you come home and when you need you know when you get up and there's yep. a, i know there's a lot of interconnectivity with android home um and also uh homekit which is ios uh they like one of the examples they had given was okay so you have your you know your wearable and when you wake up it realizes you wake up and then it sends a message to your thermostat to like turn up the heat mm-hmm. and so i think that'll kind of be it's sort of uh like I, i'm really i hate the phrase but internet of things like it definitely is that um, that's what I always think of when I think of Internet of Things. It's just all of these different devices and gadgets and installations working together to sort of make your life more comfortable without you even needing to tell it to do so, uh, right. which is always my favorite part of technology. I mean, if if I could have anything in the world, it would be, you know, my question is, when will we live the Jetsons? And so this kind of stuff always is very reminiscent for me of the Jetsons. And oh, man, like, finally, someday I'm going to be able to like get on a conveyor belt and it's going to dress me. And brush my teeth, wash my hair, and style it for me, and then Rosie the robot's gonna have my breakfast ready to go.
0: I I wanna live in that world, although the the styling of the hair sounds particularly painful in my case. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would work so well. But than Well they than just that, put a
1: beautiful sheen. It just wax like, it a little bit. Right.
0: Just little, and just a, send you just out a, into the world. Little polish to the dome. It's just like when then, you brush your
1: teeth and you get that little like bing in the commercials, right. it'd be the same. It'd be the same as right. that.
0: Right. I'll just, I'll just, you know, it's me and Mr. Clean all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, that's, I, I want to live in that world. I want to get to that point. I, I think we're, we're definitely going to see a lot more examples of competing standards. It's going to be a messy, messy uh, five years. Like it's not going to be, yeah. it's not going to be smooth sailing the whole time. I think it's going to be worthwhile once we get to the other side of that. But it does mean that we're going to have some time to really you know, slog through some some unpleasantness, I think, in the, in the short term. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do or, most importantly, where to eat, In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road into the wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more
2: at NissanUSA.com T-I-K-A dot com. So, Ashley,
0: was there anything at CES that you saw, you know, I haven't, I've only brought up some broad categories, but was there anything you saw that really you just thought, now that's either crazy or that's awesome or crazy awesome or anything like that?
1: One thing in particular, well... Two th- okay, so I re- there were two things in particular that I really liked. Which was the first one was at Panasonic, they had this beauty bar like mirror. It was I c- keep calling it the magic mirror. They had this mirror where you would sit down and it would uh, scan your face and tell you, oh, you look dehydrated, or these, you know, you have bags under your eyes. You need to like supplement your diet with these things to like help your skin be better. And then you were able to actually do in real time. Because uh, you would see this like sort of smaller reflection of yourself in the mirror. You were able mm-hmm. to see uh, makeup and facial hair. And it was it just very well done. The, wow, the, I, the facial tracking was unbelievable.
0: I really wish I had seen that. I also would love to, if, if I were designing that, I would definitely go with like the the stereotypical uh, 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 overbearing mother <laughs> voice. I do. You're not drinking enough water. I uh, see.
1: I'd go with Glados, where it just insults you at every turn. Just, that, you know. that
0: that also would be effective.
1: Um. So there was that, and and I loved that, and that was great. We have a, a couple of videos about that on CNET, and then there was the other thing that I really enjoyed, which definitely was it. It had no purpose other than. Having people see it and go, oh, like I think wow. I know where you're
0: going with this. Which
1: is the flexible television?
0: Did you see oh, this? That was not what I thought you were going to say.
1: Yes, yeah, there was a uh, LG, and I think a couple, one or two other booths had flexible TVs, but LG in particular was the one that I saw. They had a a TV that would flex from flat to curved. And it was a four K TV. It was stunning. It wow. was just so weird and cool. And you just looked at it and everybody, I had to do tours at CES. So I was taking through these groups of tours and that was the thing where everybody just went, Oh, like, um, wow. It was that moment.
0: Yeah. Whenever I, I've led a tour myself in the past and you, whenever you have to do this sort of thing, whenever you get the chance to lead people on a tour, there does become this moment of, I have got to find the one breathtaking thing on this floor Mm -hmm. so that that if all else fails, there'll be that moment. And if I can end as close as I can to that, everyone will think it's the the most amazing tour ever. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I'm giving away our secrets here. No, the thing I thought you were going to say, so I was totally wrong, but what I thought you were going to say was the Intel spider dress.
1: Oh, see, I loved that too. It had no purpose beyond just looking really cool.
0: Yeah. So for those who don't know, first of all, I can't believe you didn't see any news on this because it was one of those things that was so eye catching. It did exactly what it was supposed to do, which is it drew attention and it got people talking about it. But it was a, a 3D printed dress, as I recall, as like a an outfit that had uh, actuators that had these little spider arms at the shoulders. Mm-hmm. They look, look like spider appendages. That could extend outward and look all scary
1: Literally looked like a loot drop from World of Warcraft. Yeah. Like, it looked like, you know, tier three, uh, <laughs> tier three shadow priest shoulders. I, it was, <laughs> that was, that was exactly what it looked like. It, it was so cool. It was all white and then they had these glowing kind of nodules in there and then they had proximity sensors in the uh, chest area. So as soon as somebody would get close, these actuators would like lash out and keep people at bay. And then, yeah. and then as soon as people backed away, it would, it, the, the actuators would relax and kind of retract in and calm down. And, uh, man, it was just so cool. It was more of a, like a bodice with a, with a yeah. silver skirt. Um, but the bodice and the shoulders were all 3D printed and it was run off the Intel Edison chip. And it was so, so cool to see in person.
0: Yeah. It looked to me like HR Geiger and a Parisian fashion consultant had, mm-hmm. had, had drinks and thought, Hey, wouldn't this be cool? Uh, yeah, it was really, really arresting, um, kind of design. You definitely need to go check it out. If you have not seen it, just do a search for Intel Spider dress. It'll pop right up. Uh, it, it was really, and of course the, the models that they had wearing it, they had their hair swept up in a very dramatic updo that, that made it look very sci, sci-fi. And mm-hmm. I, I fully, fully approved of it because I thought, well, this, this feels like I, I'm in a deleted scene of Dune or something. It was, it was fantastic.
1: I, I loved it. It was so cool to see.
0: So uh, for those people who have not been to CES, how many times have you gone, Ashley?
1: Uh, this is my fifth year.
0: Okay. It was my eighth year. Uh, so can you put into words what it feels like on that last day when you've just finished your last um, last appointment or last uh, uh, you know, the last thing that you had to do before you are done with CES.
1: It's, it's like, it's like going on a Vegas Bender, except instead of alcohol, instead of getting wasted on alcohol and partying, you're wasted on technology and exhaustion. That's yeah. exactly what CES is like.
0: I, uh, I don't know how I managed to do it this year, but somehow I actually managed to avoid catching the CES crud that goes around usually. I
1: did not catch it either, and I was very happy about that.
0: I think this is the first year where I didn't feel like I had a cold for the the week following CES. I mean, you've just come into contact with so many people, and the, the show is so huge. It's hard to explain to someone who has never been how big this is, but the Las Vegas right. convention center is, it's like nearly 2 million square feet just for the convention center. Right. And then you've got the other places like the Venetian, the Sands, just getting from place to place.
1: Yeah. Is I a lot of walking. I explain to people this, I say, uh, so you know how gross your phone is? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you're pretty much the only person who touches your phone. And it's disgusting. And yeah. they say, yeah. I'm like, now imagine handling a phone that's been touched by, 40,000 people in the last five hours. Right. That's how people get sick at CES. Yeah. So my advice not- to people who always go to any convention where you're touching stuff, controllers like E3, uh, controllers or devices or anything that has to do with uh, human touch or people are around it a lot, uh, always wash your hands. The second you leave a booth, I always tell people like the second you leave a booth, just go wash your hands. It is yeah. a, it's a two minute detour and literally makes the difference between not getting sick and getting really, really sick.
0: Yeah. The weird thing about CES is it's one of those conventions where there's a line for the men's room, but not for the ladies.
1: That's my favorite part. <laughs> That's what I like about being a nerd in technology is whenever I go to a convention, there's never a line in the bathroom. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, you know,
1: John, why do you think I got into this industry?
0: I I was just about to say, like, it's it's good that you are able to identify the real positives of a particular career path, uh, so so readily because I didn't make, I didn't give, obviously, I didn't give any thought to that, and then there I am stuck in line. Um, Yeah, this was. A fun conversation, Ashley. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Uh, you know, just to kind of give an overview of what CES 2015 was like. I know we didn't dive into a lot of different product details, but really I just wanted to kind of give listeners an idea of what the, the general tone was, what it was like. It seemed pretty, uh, pretty together this year. I didn't have any problems. Uh, it seemed like everything seemed to run fairly smoothly from my perspective, which was nice. Uh, I didn't have any issues checking in anywhere. I got, you know, everyone seemed to get through things. I did make the mistake once again of getting between the press and free food, which you would think <laughs> no. I, at this point I would be able to avoid. But
1: don't ever do that. You'll, you'll lose your arm.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you just, you just it right off. I just don't have enough peripheral vision. So sometimes I, I think I'm safe. And the next thing you know, I'm I'm right in front of a buffet table and, uh, no. it's game over. Oh,
1: that was at, uh, that was at, Un- that was that unveiled for sure. I, I remember yes. that very well. Uh, I do. Yeah. They, they made this terrible mistake of putting this dessert buffet table right in the middle of a very small corridor with a lot of startup stuff in it. So yes. journalists were like rushing the table. Not a lot of things were being covered in that area, but it was just, it was a real mess.
0: Yeah, that that particular area was where some of the really kind of niche, weird stuff was sitting. And uh, and just imagine that you've got this narrow sort of hallway area of a larger room like the the bigger part of the room is just behind you. And you've got you're in this narrow hallway, the center of which is dominated by a a table covered in food surrounded by piranha like press members (laughs) Yeah, who are starving. and all you want to do is get to the end of that hallway, do a loop and come back because there's no exit out that side yeah you are you are committed You're once committed you go down once that you go
1: way. in yeah, it was it was uh it was really depressing,
0: yeah, so but we survived we once did. again we, we lived made it. to fight lived to fight another c e s
1: and we didn't and- even get sick.
0: We didn't even get sick. Yeah, I, I don't even know why I'm complaining. I'm just being, I'm just being ridiculous. Ashley, where can people go to find your work?
1: Uh, well, I am always on Twitter, so I'm a big social media person, and Twitter is my number one social media network. So I'm at Ashley Askev there. And then, if you want to see the Daily Geek uh, talk show that I host with Kale Anonymous, uh, it's called Tomorrow Daily, and you can actually uh, instead of going to CNET and kind of looking through all the different categories, which can be a little tough to find. you you can go very easily to TomorrowDaily.com and it will take you right to our show page. Um, and if you uh, if you want to check us out on YouTube, you can do that too. We're on the CNET, uh, CNET channel there and, of course, iTunes. And uh, and we do a video version of the podcast as well. It's, it's audio or video. Uh, we film it every day, Monday through Thursday. It's a great time. We have a lot of fun. I'm all about positivity and and how ha- you know, just basically leaving with a smile on your face. so if you've if you've left and you had a good time after watching the show, uh, that's mission accomplished for us. So come have fun with us. Uh, it's tomorrowdaily dot com and uh, and and feel free to drop me a line on on Twitter.
0: Awesome. And uh, Ashley really is a great person. She had me on, on a show a very long time ago. This has been a long time coming, having her on Tech Stuff. Uh, one of the sharpest people I know in tech journalism. I always love talking to you. Thank you again. And, guys, if you have any questions or you have suggestions for future episodes, you can always reach me, techstuff at howstuffworks.com, or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle there is techstuff, H-S-W, and we'll talk to you again really soon.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.
0: Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want
2: Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists.
0: You get a
1: shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human.
2: This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation.
1: Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures.